Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Is it okay to come out and call yourself a gay Christian as long as you don't act on your desires? If a Christian struggles with same-sex attraction or gender confusion, can they accept those as part of their identity, adopt preferred pronouns, and even identify as trans? Well, according to Side B Theology, the answer to both of these questions is yes. And these are ideas that are being heavily promoted in conservative evangelical circles, and Christians really need to be aware of what's coming to a church near you. So we're going to give you a quick primer on what Side B Theology is, who are some of the main players, and share some concerns for you to consider as you think through these questions for yourself. But first, an announcement and our tips of the week. Well, I want to start by acknowledging that our regular listeners hear about our Unshaken conferences all the time and probably wonder why we include announcements about them every week. So I just want to explain that we have new listeners who are coming in all the time. And even people who listen to us often don't necessarily listen to every single episode. So we just want to be sure that everyone gets the news of what we're doing somehow. So thank you for your patience with us through these announcements. With the, algor- with the algorithms of social media, it's also getting harder and harder to get the news out that way. So we just want to make sure that you guys know what's going on. All right. So that said, we're down to just a couple of weeks before our Unshaken Conference comes to the Detroit area. Elisa and I will be there with our friend Frank Turek on March 9th. Tickets are available now at unshakenconference.com. And it won't be long before we're visiting the Pittsburgh area on May 18th. Tickets for that location are also already available. In the fall, these tickets are not available yet, but mark your calendars. We'll be in Buffalo, New York on September 21st and Austin, Texas on November 16th. So stay tuned for the announcement on when those tickets are available. Well, my tip for the week this uh, this time is for parents. This is the time of year when you're probably starting to think about some important decisions on how to educate your kids this fall. My tip is do not just default to whatever you have always planned to do or what you're currently doing for your child's education. If you haven't given a lot of thought to why your kids are schooling the way they are, whether that's homeschool, private school, or public school, take some time to check out my school podcast series on the Natasha Crane podcast from the last few months. I have episodes on principles that you should consider, homeschool, Christian private school, and two episodes on public school. So these are episodes 26, 29, 34, and 35. I have heard from so many people who said that these episodes changed their thinking, so it might do it for you too. I wish more than anything that I had known what I shared in these episodes before my kids started school. So I hope they'll be helpful to you too. And if you only listen to one, make it the first one, episode 26. Yeah, that's really good advice. And my tip of the week is that no matter what topic you're thinking through, remember that there is a what and a how. And here's what I mean by that. There's the what, which is the truth of what the Bible teaches on a particular topic. And in today's episode, for example, we're talking about biblical sexuality and what the Bible might teach about identity and behavior. And then there's the how. And the how is how you're going to apply the truth of what the Bible teaches to your life and into your relationships. So we can only know how to walk with people who might have certain struggles if we know the truth about what the Bible teaches about that particular topic. And I think 
think it's also important for us as parents to teach this to our kids. Because what I have discovered as I travel and speak is that people are asking more questions about how to teach their young people to be compassionate toward people in the LGBTQ community. Because in churches, I think kids might be conflating the what with the how. Again, it's important to teach our kids that there's the what, which is the truth of the thing, and then the how, which is how we're going to show compassion and love in truth with the people that we walk with in our lives. Yeah, that, and that's especially important for what we're talking about today, obviously. So that's a very relevant tip of the week. Well, in 2001, the Gay Christian Network, GCN, was founded by Justin Lee as an online community for Christians who identified as LGBTQ to find support. In 2018, GCN and Justin Lee parted ways, and GCN was rebranded as Q Christian Fellowship. Now, as you can imagine, as time went on, different approaches emerged in how Christians should handle the LGBTQ conversation biblically, and two views came out of GCN that are now referred to as Side A and Side B. So put simply, Side A Christianity holds the view that same-sex relationships and same-sex marriage are permitted and blessed by God as long as they're committed and monogamous. Side B Christianity teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman, but that categories such as gay, queer, trans, bi, non-binary, etc. are categories a Christian can embrace as a significant part of their identity. So a side B Christian might have pronouns in their bio or on social media and refer to themselves as a gay Christian as long as they remain celibate. In other words, according to side B, you can embrace the identity as long as you don't act on the behavior. Some well-known advocates of side B theology are the Revoice Conference, Wesley Hill and Gregory Coles. Now, the reason it's important to talk about this subject is that, as with any sin struggle Christians have, we want to love our brothers and sisters in Christ fully by addressing it from what Scripture teaches. Remember, love rejoices in truth, as 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says. So if the church comes to support a scripturally problematic view of any kind of sin, we should be concerned about that out of our love for others. We don't want to condemn what shouldn't be condemned or praise what shouldn't be praised. Now, when it comes to LGBTQ questions specifically, there are plenty of progressive Christians who throw out the Bible completely as an authoritative source and come to their own conclusions on all this based on their own standards. That would be fully affirming. But that's a whole other topic on biblical authority. What we're talking about today is whether those who hold to the historic Christian faith should support this side B thinking, the idea that Christians can and should embrace an LGBTQ identity while not engaging in the behavior. You guys, this idea is gaining so much popularity in the church because it appears to hold to biblical teachings on homosexuality while, quote, accepting people for who they are. It seems to a lot of people that this is the best of both worlds while we're holding to biblical authority and being compassionate at the same time. But that's really the question. Is an LGBTQ identity who any Christian is? Yeah, and side B can be so confusing, but if we think about it kind of like a vinyl record, where if, if you have a vinyl record player, you know, you play side B and then there's music on that side, then you flip it over to side B and there's music on that side. But ultimately, it's the same record. So it's kind of like uh, like a quarter. It's two sides of the same coin. And so I think it could be helpful to think about it that actually both are wrong. The whole record is wrong, right? But it sounds good, like you mentioned, Natasha, because they do affirm biblical marriage. They do affirm that homosexual, at least behavior, is sin. And so ultimately, though, the whole record is not helpful. And so I just want to put some flesh on this for our listeners, because we hear a lot of side B language. And 
we were even talking about this before we came on the air, Natasha, that you and I have even inadvertently, not realizing it, used language like, well, it's just same-sex behavior that's sinful. I mean, I'm sure anybody who's listened to my podcast for many years has probably heard me say that. And that's wrong. That That is the wrong way to talk about it. And I'm so thankful for people like Rosaria Butterfield and Christopher Yuan who have really started talking about this to help us correct our language and even repent for sinful language because it's really not just the behavior. There's no other sin where we would say that about. And so here's just an example of how this language comes out. I was at a Q&A with uh, Greg Kokel the other day. We were speaking at a Christian high school and a student got up and said, you know, what can we do about Christians who make LGBTQ people feel like their existence is not recognized? And what he meant by that is he went on to say, because LGBTQ people can be Christians as long as they're non-practicing. And so what I did in that moment was I, I used that as an opportunity to, to demonstrate why that language is actually wrong. And so, so I told the story of one of my personal struggles. I've written about this in my books, but over the years I have struggled with an eating disorder. And it, that is something that I have continued to struggle with the mindsets of, if not, you know, not necessarily the behavior, but the mindsets. And it's just kind of always there. I'm always having to put that to death. I'm always having to keep that in the light and confess that to people around me and confess that to the Lord. And so imagine, Natasha, if I identified myself as a bulimic Christian who is non-practicing. And you know, when I said that, the students, there was kind of a little bit of a gasp, like, oh yeah, I get it. Like we wouldn't do that with any other sin struggle. And so um, I think ultimately side B theology sanctifies sinful desires. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. Side B theology sanctifies sinful desires. And even some side B theologians, not all, would actually teach that same-sex attraction is morally neutral. In other words, not necessarily a product of the fall. Now, I believe the Revoice Conference does have in their belief statement that same-sex attraction is a result of the fall, but yet at the same time, it's so entwined with who you are as your core identity that you need to put that as a qualifier in front of Christian, gay Christian. So I'm going to read a quote from Wesley Hill. This is from his book, Spiritual Friendship. Again, he's a, a big, uh, prominent figure in the Side B movement. But just, just listen to the words, and this is from page 80 and 81 of his book. He said, in my experience, at least, being gay colors everything about me, even though I am celibate. It's, a, it's less a separable piece of my experience, like a shelf in my office, which is indistinguishable from the other shelves, and more like a proverbial drop of ink in a glass of water. Not identical with the water, but also not entirely distinct from it either. Being gay is, for me, as much a sensibility as anything else. A heightened sensitivity to and passion for same-sex beauty and that helps determine the kind of conversations I have, which people I'm drawn to spend time with, what novels and poems and films I enjoy, the particular visual art I appreciate, and also, I think, the kind of friendships I pursue and try to strengthen. And so, you know, he is someone who would consider himself to be a gay Christian for these reasons. In other words, this is so intertwined. It's not just like one shelf next to another shelf. This is like a drop of ink in water. It permeates everything, affects everything, and ultimately becomes a, a huge part of what's in that glass, that, you know, of the liquid that's in that glass. And so I think that this, I, I hope that helps our audience kind of understand 
where this thinking is kind of coming from. So being gay for him is like not just a behavior, but it's it's literally who he is. Yeah, and that that quote actually really breaks my heart because he's conflating so many good things about the way God made him, like what kind of art he appreciates mm. with who he's attracted to. And that's what I think is confusing so many people today. When you associate personality traits with same-sex attraction just because those traits might not be stereotypically associated with those of your gender, then it does make it sound like it's just who you are. It does make it sound like this is an identity. And on top of that, there is a century of secular thinking going back to Freud that has promoted the idea that human identity is found in your sexuality. So yep. we have breathed this in in a lot of different ways over time. So when we as Christians accept that LGBTQ is an identity category, we're actually embracing unbiblical Freudian ideas. And the reason this is so important is that the Bible is clear that it's not just behavior that's sinful, which is what Elisa was saying. When we have sinful desires, we have to own them. We have to turn to God in repentance. And that goes for any sinful desire. We're not just talking about same-sex attraction. So let me give you an example. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Notice that Jesus is talking about the desire. The behavior has not been committed. You know, we, we should really all stop to consider that high standard that Jesus is calling us to. This is not just same-sex desires. This is about all sinful desires. But if you take Jesus' example here of adultery, it stems from lust. So should Christians identify themselves by that sinful desire? Would anyone struggling with adulterous lust want to permanently identify themselves as a lustful Christian who doesn't cheat? Of course not. It's kind of like the example that, that Elisa gave earlier about struggling with an eating disorder. We don't want to do that. We intuitively can see that, but we are so accustomed in our culture to seeing LGBTQ as an identity that it doesn't stand out to us in the same way. We kind of have to frame it in these terms for the issue to become more clear. We really have adopted these Freudian ideas that sexuality is an identity category, but it's not biblical. Our only identity as Christians is in Jesus. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Notice that the Bible talks here about the sins that are in you, not just sins that you act on. In fact, covetousness is a heart posture. There's no behavior even mentioned. Rosario Butterfield is a former lesbian activist who recently wrote a book called Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. And honestly, of all the books that I've read on this subject, I think this one is the most helpful in terms of addressing why endorsing an LGBTQ identity, even a celibate one, is biblically problematic, and in particular, chapter three. So if this subject is something you want to dig deeper into, I would recommend this book in especially chapter three. Butterfield says this, quote, after my conversion, I noticed my affections changing. It wasn't instantaneous like a combustion, but union with Christ was something that I could perceive growing inside me. I started to embrace my role as a single Christian woman and a member of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. I didn't stop cold turkey feeling like a lesbian, not at all, but I did register lesbian desires as sinful acts in need of repentance, not morally neutral attributes of my identity or person." end quote. Mm. And I think that's a really good summary of the heart of the issue there. 
That's great. Love Rosaria Butterfield. In fact, if you want to really dig into more about what Side B is all about, we really recommend you follow Rosaria Butterfield and Christopher Yuan. In fact, I'm going to be having Christopher Yuan on my podcast in the next several weeks to talk about a Side B conference that's happening next spring. And this is Preston Sprinkles Organization. And the conference is called Exiles in Babylon. Now, I, I want to bring this to your attention. I'm just going to give you a little teaser on it. We're going to go a lot deeper on our podcast, not just on this conference, but more broadly on Side B. But this is so important for us to understand because Preston Sprinkle and his Exiles in Babylon conference is marketed to conservative evangelical Christians. This is not marketed as a progressive Christian conference or uh, marketed to, you know, people that are outside the church. This is this is for conservative Christians, and it's all coming from a Side B perspective. And I want to encourage you to go to the website, take a look at some of the people they have speaking at this conference, look and see what they're saying on social media. Please do not harass these people. If you feel led like you want to meaningfully engage, do it respectfully. But uh, just to give you a, a, an overarching idea, one of the speakers regularly tweets anti-Israel uh, propaganda, basically, that is blaming Israel for a genocide in Gaza. There's another speaker that identifies as trans. There's another speaker who is a fully affirming progressive Christian. There's another speaker who is one of the most prominent figures in progressive Christianity that di denies uh, substitutionary atonement and is very soft on wrath and, as far as I can tell, is a soft universalist. I mean, these are the people that are coming to conservative churches to speak on topics of politics and sexuality. They're asking questions in this conference, how should Christians engage with politics and with sexuality. So stay tuned to the Elisa Childress podcast. In fact, subscribe to it because that way you'll you'll get a notification when that episode comes out. But this is something I think is probably one of the most important things that the church needs to wake up to right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll look forward to hearing your podcast with, with Christopher. I'm sure that's going to be fantastic. Well, thank you guys for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get notifications, as well as mine, the Natasha Crane podcast, and the Elisa Childers podcast for more long-form episodes where we go deeper into these topics. For now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on. That, as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress, where we will never be shaken. Oh,